Welcome to Market Week in Review for the week ending December 11th, 2020. I'm Sophie Antelgibert, and I'm joined today by our Chief Investment Strategist, Eric Ristovin. Good morning, Eric. Morning, Sophie. It's a pleasure to see you again. I hope you're keeping well. Um, I am sure that the markets and the news have been keeping you busy at the very least, especially this week. I'd love to get your thoughts and your perspective on three topics in particular. One is um, Brexit developments. Uh, second one is we've had some interesting sort of movements in the stimulus talks area. And then lastly, also, I'd like to touch on market leadership trends and what you see continuing there and perhaps changing. Sound good? Sounds good. Excellent. Okay, so how about starting at the top? Um, how were sort of Brexit evolution discussions uh, this week? What's the latest? Um, feels like every day brings something new. Where are we at right now? Yeah, or lack thereof evolution anyway. Uh, you know, it, it looks like right now they're kind of at loggerheads, um, you know, Prime Minister Johnson is um, actively telling the, the citizenry of the United Kingdom to prepare for no deal. Uh, there are a, a number of sticking issues uh, having to do with Northern Ireland, fishing rights, um, and competitiveness rules. Uh, and you know, I, I, I think the question now becomes, is there going to be a, a deal before the you know, is there going to be a crash out or is there going to be a deal or, or are the talks going to continue into next year? Um, but right now you saw a little weakness. You, you know, the, the stock 600 index in Europe on the week is down about 80 basis points. Interestingly enough, the FTSE 100, the big UK equity index is only is basically flat um, um, on, on the week. The UK is one of the harder hit countries in terms of the hit and the effect of the pandemic. It looks on 2020 as if their economy will have shrunk by 11 percent. When talking to my colleague Andrew Pease over in London, um, you know, an 11 percent shrinkage as soon as we get into the reopening phase of the economy. And remember, shots are going into the arms in terms of the vaccine in the UK as we speak. That started this week. Um, right. So, you know, you can see the opening of the UK economy. So, you know, an 11 percent GDP hole. You're, you're going to get a recovery, kind of regardless of whether there's a deal or not. Um, and the incremental hit of a no deal, and, the, and there is a hit, and it's a reasonably sizable hit, may be masked. So, you know, I think that's part of the, 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 the calculus of, of, the, the, of the prime minister and, and, and his cabinet is, is can you kind of get what you want with, with, and maintain the sovereignty and kind of the, the integrity of an, a Brexit? Um, and not suffer as as bad or maybe political damage by the negative economic damage being done. We'll see how this all washes out. Um, both sides have promised to talk to uh, talk about this at least until Sunday. And my suspicion is we'll be talking about this for quite some time. But you know, we'll we'll see how that plays out. Well, we've already been talking about it for four years, as you say. We'll just keep it on the agenda um, for yeah. better or for worse. Um, Speaking of economic impact uh, and politicians and governments trying to stem some of that impact and manage some of that in impact, um, how have stimulus talks this week evolved in the U.S. government and how have markets reacted? You know, in the broad structure of the deal, there seems to be agreement. It looks like they've coalesced around a $900 billion package, which sounds, I guess sounds small when you compare it to the $3 trillion that we saw earlier in the year, but $900 billion is still a lot of money no matter how you slice it. So um, the sticking issues seem to have come down to um, the Republicans want to limit corporate liability um, for the virus itself. 
um, as I think as employers, basically. Um, and then the other major sticking point seems to be aid to the state and local governments. Um, and the Democrats want both of those want want they 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 want to maintain some liability on corporations part for I think bad actors in their minds. Um, and they want state and municipal governments to local governments to have um, some incremental aid. The Republicans, not so much. In fact, Mitch McConnell has come out and said that he's he's actually you know thinks this deal would be easily passed if we dropped. Um, the state aid, uh, state and local government aid. Um, we'll see how it all plays out. Uh, you know, I, I don't think this, you know, I, we don't think this is going to meaningfully affect the, the recovery itself within the context of a vaccine beginning to hit the United States. Um, but it is obviously going to mitigate, you know, the robustness of that. And it is going to do some economic damage to individuals and companies, which I, I think you know, most of us would prefer, um, you know, because again, through no fault of their own, um, the, the containment measurements are creating economic pain. So just alleviate some of that. Could you maybe talk a little bit more about market leadership, rotation, what's rotating in, what's rotating out? What are you seeing beyond the sort of impact of, uh, of, of the stimulus talks and of, of Brexit, of the pandemic? Um, what, el- what other trends are you noticing there? Fourth quarter is actually turning out to be a, a really good quarter for equity. <laughs> so the equity market globally is doing really well in the fourth quarter right now. Uh, and, 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 and particularly it's done extraordinarily well since the, the 9th of November. Um, why the 9th of November? Um, uh, that was when Pfizer and BioNTech announced uh, the results of their um, large scale testing uh, with 95% efficacy and Moderna followed up I think exactly a week later, um, with extraordinarily similar numbers in terms of theirs, and, and really since that date, what we have been referring to, and we're not just we're not alone. The market's referring to is the reopening trade, basically the 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 trade in the in the capital markets that reflects the reopening, the broad reopening of the economy. Now we have and been sort of in that re- confidence that comes with that, yeah, exactly. Well, and and optimism very specifically for those parts of the economy that have been left out so far from the recovery. And we all know who those are, right? It, it's smaller companies, uh, it's, it's, it's leisure, it's travel, it's you know, restaurants, it's, 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 it's a lot of service-related industries where you really can't do business except for face-to-face and in-person. Um, and, and, and generally, the, the cyclical part of the U.S. Uh, market and economy have not benefited as much from the recovery as other parts of the market. It, it, it is still true um, that this year, market leadership has been dominated by the mega cap tech sector, right? Um, we all know the names. Um, that mega cap tech sector is a, a very large component of the U.S. Cal- uh, the U.S. equity market and actually a very large component of the Chinese equity market. Not surprisingly, those two markets are doing quite well globally. The U.S. is still doing very well um, year to date in terms of performance. But what has changed is what's happened since November 9th. And what's happened since November 9th, where growth had been knocking the Stuffing out of value prior to that on a year to date basis. That's the technical term for that, Eric. Is that right? That is the tech. There's other technical terms, but this is a, you know, at most a PG program. So I'm not going (laughs) to use the other terms. 
Um, but, you know, value has beaten growth since November 9th in the U.S., and this is a good proxy for the rest of the world, by the way. This is pretty much a global phenomenon. Um, by 8.72 as measured by the Russell 1000 value versus the Russell 1000 growth. So almost 9% outperformance in six weeks or five weeks, I guess. That's, that, that's a fair amount of dominance. Um, small stocks, so more cyclical small stocks, and value stocks are more cyclical. Um, and you're seeing this cyclical uptick through a reopening trade. Small is beaten large um, by almost 7% in the United States, as measured by the Russell 2000 and 1000. And then non-U.S. over U.S. on a quarter-to-eight basis, non-U.S. is handily beating um, the U.S. Um, kind of across the board, EFA. Um, the developed markets are beating the S&P 500, um, and emerging markets are also beating the S&P 500 fairly handily so far this quarter. Most of that leadership has, has occurred since November 9th. Um, so we're really thinking this, this trend of more cyclical companies, the market leadership rotating away from those extraordinarily expensive mega cap tech stocks. Um, that's a trend that seems to be taking form and in a meaningful way. And that's, you know, if you, our global market outlook came out this week and, and, you know, I encourage people to, to read it if they get a chance. It's on our website. Um, but the, the idea there is, is that we think that leadership will continue into 2021. Um, so, you, you know, we think investors probably want to be positioned with an overweight to value in the U.S. and globally. Um, and to, uh, to be overweight non-U.S. stocks versus U.S. stocks, because we think this cyclical reopening trade is going to be the dominant trade of 2021. Well, Eric, thank you so much. Unfortunately, that's all we have time for today. But thank you so much for sharing your insights, Eric. And thank you for joining us today. Um, we'll be back again soon. <laughs>